Welcome to Thinking Outside the Box with Gavin Rubinstein. Conversations between Gavin and the people he believes have trailblazed by thinking outside the box in their field, industry, or even just in his office. Ladies and gentlemen, this guy, most people are going to know who he is. For some people who don't, he is he's a staple of the real estate industry. This guy is an absolute legend. He's a co-founder of Bressick & Whitney, who if you know, you're in real estate in Australia, you know that. He's a top performing real estate coach and um, just an all-around good bloke. It's a pleasure to have you. I know your time is valuable. Mr. Ivan Bresick, welcome. How are you, man? I'm really good. You? Yeah, good. Good to be here, man. You're, you're visiting from the States. I am. You live there now. I do. So set up Bresick Whitney. We're going to talk about that. We're going to mm. reverse engineer that whole process mm. and decided to leave it all behind, start a new career, start a new life. Correct. Yeah. Big balls, this guy. I don't know. I don't know. But no, I appreciate the warm welcome. Yeah, I think it's just a progression. You know, I'm in my mid-40s now, so that's a lot of time to get things done. You, you, look, know, you look fit for mid-40s. I'm fit, man. I'm big, fit. I'm big, feeling good. Big into your training, big into your lifestyle. You and I have been friends for a long time. We've known each other for a long time. Your lifestyle, your life has changed from when you were a younger guy, say around 25 till now. want to get into that too. But let's start off with a bit about your story, how you started, where you went to school, how you got into real estate. Give us a bit of the uh, the background. I'll give you the short story because I don't think it's that exciting, but you've asked. <laughs> I failed at school, get an early job at McGrath Partners just by luck or fate or whatever you want to call it. Uh, leasing for a year and a half. A young Shannon Whitney asked me, you know, do you want to come and work with me? He was a 22, 23-year-old agent. At that time, you just didn't see agents under 40. How old were you at that time, I? I was 19 when Shannon said, wow. do you want to work together? Right. We'll for, just for up, John McGrath at the time, right? We'll, it was McGrath Partners, right. just up the road in Oxford Street, Paddington. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and Shannon was your co-founder of Bresquini. The two of you founded the company. Ended up being my, correct, my future business partner. Yep. I remember seeing Shannon. He was young. He was dedicated. I'd watch him as a leasing agent. So that was quite nice. And he said, do you want to come and work with me? And by the way, most agents at that time were 40 years plus. Right. Yeah. So, but our former boss, John, was 30. Yep. I was 19. Shannon was 22. So it was just quite normal for these young guys to do pretty well back then. Fast forward, 1999, Shannon and I sold 120 properties together. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot. So high volume, working around Kings Cross, Darlinghurst, Surrey Hills. We enjoyed it. We worked our butts off. I don't even think it was about the money. Yep. We, we treated it like a game. Yep. The year after I became an agent, 2021, I think. Mm -hmm. So you went from assistant to then agent two years later. Shannon said, mate, you're ready to be an agent. We yep. did some deals and stuff together, but 2000, I became an agent, sold yep. 26. 2001, I doubled that. I did 49 deals. And then in 2002, I think I went to 99 deals. So wow. it happened pretty quickly. But you got to remember when I worked there, we were working with the best of the best in Sydney. Yeah. I mean, McGraw was a, a bed for we had, everybody. If it was an all-star team of agents back then, 90% of them were on that floor. So we were desensitized or it was just normal for us excellence from an early stage. Okay. So you went one, two, three X your business. Yeah. And then, you know, Shannon and I had been talking, you know, outside that saying maybe we should do something. We really didn't, I think, naivety. Right. And a bit of, well, maybe we can do this. But you Mate, did do it. And we did. <laughs> and we sort of set off in 2003 and started Bressick Whitney. And we, we'd considered franchises, we'd considered the name, we just said, let's just call it 
Brissick Whitney. So that was 2003. Our first year, mate, we did 155 sales, which was better than what we thought. King's Cross, darling, I'm sorry, is not what it is today. I also, th- I mean, it's it's a concept people need to try to get their head around too. I mean, it's uh, the values are different, the culture is different. It would have been a very challenging market to work, not only working, but succeed in, right? Yeah, I think you could have gone and worked in Double Bay. The Godfather's Double Bay were there. For us, it was the benefit was it was high turnover. I just worked with Shannon, who was already working around Elizabeth Bay, Potts Point, King's Cross, Darlinghurst. So it was just a natural thing that now I'm working alongside him. We had a lot of open homes, a lot of auctions. And so it just flowed on from there. So it was a really high turnover market. It was a good market. You're right. Back then, it wasn't what it is today. Very few people would have wanted to work that market, which was kind of lucky for us. Clever for you too, right? Fate, luck. Combination. Yeah. Like you can look back on all those things. If that door didn't open and you would go on somewhere there. Like it was just that Shannon asked me and I looked up to him and we got along well and there we go. Right. But doing 120 sales in 1999 would, would have been the equivalent of doing like 200 today. Two, 300, yeah. 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 We did have support from John. We sold a couple of developments that Theo on us through and James Packer owned. It was a really good run. So we start BW, 155 sales and I never knew it'd get that big. I don't think Shannon did either, but we were just always focused on the customer. We're always focused on product knowledge and we just try to do a bit better every year. That's just how we were sort of wired from working for John. Like that's just what you did. You try to do, okay, you did that. How are you going to do that? You did that last year. How are we going to do that? Did he instill that kind of ethos in all the people who worked there? You say excellence was just kind of expected and you brought that with you or do you think naturally you possess a bit of that yourself and Shannon is, albeit different to you, you know, somewhat the same? I was very fortunate to work for John when we did because he was very connected to the business. He was inspirational. He made you think that anything was possible. Like his sales meetings in Edgecliff and Paddington, like when I worked there, you for me, I don't know about everybody else, but I'd walk out my hairs would be like, you know, can you, can you remember anything like kind of- But he just say like anything is possible. Yeah. Like if you want a BMW, get on the phones. And yeah. back then I was earning $500 a week. I was yeah. like, really? Okay, yeah. well, I'm going to get on the phones and I'll be able to buy a BMW. <laughs> He would, it was hair raising stuff. And like those people that were really excited about it, he was a genius. John could sell anything to anybody. Like he was, and a lot of what he said was true. Yeah. He'd say, you want to be a millionaire? You know exactly what you do. Get out there and do it. Yeah. That's what we were brought up with as 19, 20, 21 year olds. And like at that age, when I wasn't good at anything in school, my dad had been through a bad accident and now I fall in real estate and I'm pretty good at it and I love giving good service. You go, this is. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And so you built it up from that to what was Bresick Whitney's numbers looking like in terms of staff? I mean, when you sold it, when you left and you moved to America. Yeah. So I sold out three or four years ago, 2020. Yep. At that time- So 20 years in the in owning- 19 I was in. Yep. 120 staff, four offices. Good. It's a great business, great people. And we spent a lot of years investing in that and working in it, just like probably you are now with TRG. It's the same thing. It's really, it's a full-time commitment. Why did you leave? Why did you leave it behind? Uh, good question. Uh, a few things. I mean, my wife is American. She lived in Australia for two years. That was the, you know, the main reason we thought we want to start a family. So, you know, America. I was getting closer to forty after being in the industry since an eighteen-year-old, which is so. I went to school, real estate, and then 22, 20, you know, twenty-two years of six, seven-day-a-week work. It, it was a lot. The people aspect was quite overwhelming at times. I enjoyed it. Yeah. But like by that stage, I had options. Like, Mm -hmm. do you think you'll do real estate forever? Like, do you think you'll own a real estate business forever? (sighs) It's a hard question. It is. It's a hard question. So when I was in my 20s and earning money, like I'm thinking, well, if I can make X, then maybe there's an exit. Yep. 
And so I kind of, there was a bit of manifestation there too. Yep. I think also if you perform at a high level in real estate for 10 years and then 20 years, yep. like that's pretty taxing. Like if you're just a middle of the pack agent or yep. you sell 20 a year, 100%. maybe you can do it for 50 years. Yep. But if you've got 10 or 15 vendors every week, mm-hmm. then you run a team and it's high pressure. The stakes are high. Mm-hmm. Like, can you really do that for 40 years? And do you want to? Very right? good question. So, like, I was asking myself those questions. We'd been through an underquoting court case, which we won. Yep. Staff members had left. Yep. I'm working even longer now than I was in my 20s, not enjoying it as much. I knew I had options. I'd made a bunch of money. Yep. So, what would you hang around forever? Like, I had options. I could have easily- and there's parts that I definitely miss, the people, and, yep. you know, I made more money then than now, but, like, it was a great timing for me, and I felt that was time to go. I think for people who know you or, say, used to know you and get an understanding of who you are now and what you're about now, it's, it's quite different, isn't it? For sure. What were you like back then versus now, and, and why the shift and change for you? Because we were friends a lot in our twenties, so you would, you, you'd you, probably seen me change a lot over the years. Yeah, well, I mean, well, you actually in the early part of my career were a really important piece of what my business is now. You were a huge mentor for me. You taught me a lot. I was, um, for the people who don't know, pretty surrounded by a particular way and a particular method. And I love that yours was so different. And you really helped broaden my perspective and you helped grow my business at that point. So, you Thanks, know, we'll, we'll be forever appreciative. But even then, you were starting to change, right? Yeah, but just on that, I remember you used to come to my house on Friday nights and we just talk real estate. Yeah. Oh, right? yeah, the whole time. We just talk real estate. And that was when you were driving a BMW and these were in your early years. But you were going to be <laughs> successful. And I knew you were going to be successful because you worked your ass off. Yeah. Like I see all the polish and everything now and you've done over the last five years. And But you were hungry from when I met you. I still remember when I met you at Fitness First Bondi Junction even before then. I think I sold you your first Porsche, if that's you correct. Did, correct. I did. My first uh, I hope I didn't start bad habits. <laughs> you probably did. I probably did. It was a white one number plate WSC. You remember it. There you go. Five wires. But, like, you, but you know, I, I truly believe that you're successful, Gavin, because you're always a hustler. You're an amazing student. You love the industry. You wanted to get better. You wanted to learn from him. You wanted to learn from her. And you looked at you're always going to be successful. In many respects, I was like you 10 years earlier because right. I'm about 10 years older than you. So right. why did things change? I think, you know. And what were you like back then? Like, because if you really go towards sometimes back in the day, you'd say the perception was somewhat a bit of a party boy, right? Hard worker, successful entrepreneur, business owner, a bit of a party boy. It's the complete opposite now. You promote and get behind healthy lifestyle living. You haven't had a drop of alcohol for 13 months, you said. You train, you've got a healthy mind, Mm. you've got a healthy body. Mm. You're helping people on a large scale. Mm. Seems to be top, top performing agents like- Mm-hmm. What happened? What was the catalyst? Well, it's a pretty for all that? exciting journey when I hear about of course. it. Like it, it's it's like just hearing it. It is a good journey, and I'm, again, I don't think I'm anything special or unique to anyone else. I've put a lot of time into what I do, yep. and I'm really focused and whatever. But I think just going back to that question, I think when I started in real estate, it was fun. You do it, you get good at it, you give great service. It made me feel important. I probably had insecurities just like any other 19, 20, 21 year old. Yeah. Uh, I was going through a difficult time at home because my dad had been through a serious accident. That sort of matured me quickly. Mm-hmm. I had great mentors around 
You did. Well, you think about John McGrath, James Dark. Yep. You know, I had Shannon just there, um, you know, and so many other really good agents around. We start the business. And because of McGrath's training, I'm thinking, I just want to be the best. I think the success started to go to my head a little bit in my 20s. I yep. was a bit lost. I didn't have a father figure in my life. Yep. I didn't really have strong mentors after I started Bressick Whitney because we were doing well and everyone was stroking my ego. Yep. And you got to remember our office was in King's Cross too, which was at the time the party place of Sydney, you know? So you're making money, everyone's stroking your ego. You're now driving that fast car that you always wanted as a teenager. You're the boss of the agency, you know, like it starts going to your head. Sure. But I think what happened is over a period of time, as I um, acquired some material things, bit of maturity, you start investing more in the business, you're going, oh, geez. So if I do that, that means these people aren't going to respect me. So you start realizing that if we're investing this much in the business, then maybe I should look at some of my social habits and what I'm doing outside work. Yep. Story goes ahead, get to about early 30s, not that happy, partying, a little bit empty, got all the toys in my life. Sure. You knew, you, yep. know, you, you saw them. So, yeah. and I'm like, mm, there's something missing. Started working with a life coach who I still work with today. I start meditating at 32, 33. You still meditate? Absolutely. Yeah. It's life changing. Right. So, right. There were, the transformation for me as a person started then. And by the way, I'd lost four or five staff that year from my office. When you say staff, like agents or? Yeah. yeah. So okay. I was sort of, looking after Darlinghurst, which was our head office, and you know, Shannon was looking a lot after the other three or four locations. That head office lost three or four or five staff in one year, good agents yep. who went to competitors. Yep. And, you know, I had a conversation with Shannon about that and it was it was probably I had to self-reflect on that. I think they just lost respect for me as a person because they probably knew what I was doing outside work. Right. I wasn't spending enough time with them as the, you know, one of the owners of the business. So yep. they leave. Yep. So I think that was a really good reflection point. You meditate, you start seeing things differently, you start taking, cutting things out of your life. The superficial things, which I thought were important, was, not. they started to go, the boat goes, the two cars is not necessary. Do I need that bravado? I start being more centered. Yep. And I was happier. I yep. was more fulfilled, mate. Yeah. So I'm spending less money. I feel more fulfilled. I'm not trying to be someone I'm not. And now I'm connecting with people on a deeper level and I start spending more time with staff and I'm now getting more cut through there and that stuff. I could see the difference. And you just started to harness the other way because it made you feel better and you felt more fulfilled. I felt better. People responded better. Yeah. I, I like some people go, mate, I thought you were a dickhead or, yeah. you know, I heard you're this or- yeah. Um, you're not the person I ex- I'd heard you were or expected. I was like, sure. okay, cool. What's different? They go, oh, no, no, you know. So you start getting some feedback and people respond differently or some of your start are appreciative. So, yeah, I think that's where it went. And then that also then changed because my desire to list, and I always listed a lot. Yeah, a lot. I remember. So animal, I would, deal animal, absolute oh, machine. I don't know about you that. were. No, mate, you, you guys, were. I think you guys are better agents than, than me now. And there's more better agents now. So, but thank you. But I would list and flick and list and flick to the team because we're trying to build the business. Sure. And so that then became the next part of my journey was Mm. how do we- Growing the team. Yeah, grow the team, support the team. And, you know, you'd see, you'd you'd bring someone in and could have been, and I won't say names today, but you bring an agent in, you support them through, you help them through it. They start going from 20 sales to 40, 40 to 80 sales. And they thank you forever. That was the best feeling. Yeah. You know, it's fulfilling. It's very fulfilling helping someone achieve what they want and seeing them grow. Definitely. Fair. Whereas if you go back to my twenties, what? Who was it all about? You. It was all about me. Yeah. 
And that then- It kind of had to be at that point, no? Yeah, it, it does. And you've got to go through it. And I've listened to one or two of your podcasts where people older in their career have said the same thing. Yeah. Like your 20s, you've got to go through it. You've got to learn. And I accept that. Yeah. Like there's things that I don't accept about, or not accept, I don't agree with a lot of the agents today about how they spend money. But sure. when I reflect on that, I probably spent a lot of money. It was just less money back then. Like 50000 sure. 50, back then is probably the equivalent of 150 today. 100%. You know what I mean? 100%. So when yeah. I hear some of these numbers, I'm like, what? But the earning capacity is more today, but things cost more today. So it's all kind of relative. It's all relative. Yeah. So going back to that, you know, that part was really good, like helping the new agents. I enjoyed that. And it's probably no wonder why I'm doing what I'm doing today. Yeah, love. And yeah. today, and I'm, I'm going to, there's a, quite a little bit. There's of, a lot. We yeah, can and, talk and about. I know you, your time is limited and it yeah, is valuable. Likewise. So I'm going to be quick. You're right. I noticed you're coaching all the top agents in the country. It seems like, do you take on agents that are average? I'm pretty lucky, aren't I? The names I see you work with, hmm. all, all the top dudes. And it's like, you know, if someone does want help and does want guidance, because I actually want to understand how you go from 20 sales to 40 sales, 16 and 100, I think you've got a pretty good idea of how to to talk about that and how to do that. But do you work with guys who are average or is it just kind of focus on the the cream of the, the crop and, and because you have had or have that high performance mindset? Yeah, I mean- I'm fortunate. Like I pinch myself. Like I'm very lucky to do what I do with the people I do. Amazing people. Yeah. No, they don't have to be a fifty or a hundred sale or a hundred and fifty sale agent to work with me. I work with agents who sell under thirty. Yep. My costs are obviously rising, so it kind of suits the more agents who are more progressed in their careers. Yep. My offering is very different to others. I don't know what others really do out there in terms of that space, but I choose about thirty a year that I work with. Yep. And why do I do that? I live overseas. Yep. You live in Texas, yep. right? In America. Yep, I do. I do one-on-one, yep. which is very important. Yep. I, know, I know the work that I've done one-on-one with just with my life coach has been life-changing. Is your life coach in Australia or is in- She's in Australia. She's in uh, Kangaroo Valley. Okay. So it's all online anyway. Sure. But I think the point is, Gabby, is that we're all weird and unique individuals yeah. with our own challenges, yep. with our own strengths and yep. weaknesses and the way we sort of see things. So for me, like even at BW, at my former company, like I had to work with this person different to how I worked with that person to how I worked with that person. If no I, one if, size if I fits put them all. all in a room, you know, they're all like digesting things differently. Yes, yeah, so true. It right. is, man. So, so true. like me and you, like if we work together, we have in the past, but if we work together, mate, some of the things we'd unpack and talk about, like that's very different to the next person I'm going to see. For sure. So that's why it's kind of morphed. That's why I take, you know, about that number. And, you know, yeah, I, I'm very fortunate that I have some really good agents that work with me, probably just as good, better, definitely better than what I was. So I feel really lucky about that. What does an agent do when they're doing 20 sales a year and they want to double it to 40? How do they do that? What are the steps that they follow? What would you do? What did you do? Mm-hmm. And what do you recommend people do if that's what they want to achieve? Like you say, some agents are kind of middle tier. Some agents are just cruising. But for the guys who want to aggressively grow and, and 2x their business, because although the market's tougher, that says opportunity to someone like me. Yeah. I know it does to a lot of other people. What? How do they start about that. Yeah, I'll go back one step. The top 20%, top 15% of the industry earns the top 75, 80% of the income, yep. right? So it'd be great if everyone could get there. Not everyone can because only a limited number of you guys can actually get in there. And I was in there for a long time. Sure. So you've got that top element and then you've got the rest of the industry earning that. And so 
I also go number of sales. Like if you do 50 sales in Double Bay, that's probably the equivalent of doing 100 in the inner city. Oh, yes. Correct. Right? Yep, yep. Which could be the equivalent of like I've got a, I know a guy in Adelaide who does 250 a year, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. so you've got to look at things like that. I spoke to a group on the North Shore of Sydney. Yes, I said, if you're doing 60 to 80 sales here on the North Shore of Sydney, mm-hmm. that's like doing 100, 120 in the inner city. That's like doing 40 to 60 in Double Bay. So you've got to look at the markets. Anyway, I'll go you've got back. got to make it relative. Yeah, yeah you've got to make to it your relative. market. Yeah, but if I was a Double Bay agent, my goal would be, I want to do 50 sales a year. How can I get there? Key, yep, right? Because yep. 10 ain't going to cut it. Yep. That's my view. Agree. So you're saying to me, Ivan, how do I go from 20 to 40 and 80? Can it be done? Yeah. The answer is yes, it can. Yep. Will everyone be able to have the opportunity to get to the top level or level four? Like I think there's 15 levels in real estate. Will they get there? Probably not. Yep. But can they level up from six to eight or eight to 10? Absolutely. Sure. Yep. What do you need? You need mentors. You yep. need the right environment. You right. Know, I think buyer servicing is key. You mate, always we, we, you we, always, yep. we built that business. We used to talk about it when you were at my house. Talk to me about buyer servicing. Yeah. It's an industry where we've always just chased listings. You used to say to me, and you said a lot to me, and just to reiterate, you know, some of the stuff we worked on back in the day created fundamentals for what parts of my business are today, building a team, you know, constructing it correctly, who does what. We worked on all that stuff together, which I, you know, continued to take with me. But what does buyer work look? Because there are buyer's agents now, which are just just thriving. But what does yeah. buyer's, buyer's work look like to you? Yeah, because I put it like this. You've got 20, 30 people here in your team. Yep. They probably think that they have to go look for listings. So they're just doing whatever they can. They're door knocking, letterbox dropping, yep. you know, trying to hustle for a listing, which yep. everybody in the industry is doing. Yep. Shannon and I took the approach, which we'd learned from our previous employer, that let's service buyers because they're going to become sellers and then they're largely forgotten about. Like I gave an example this morning at a talk. If a 22-year-old kid in real estate meets a buyer this weekend, that buyer is going to buy in within how many months, you think? Well, it depends, but yeah. Three let's, months? Let's say that, yeah. Let's say three months. So I'm 22, I'm in real estate. I start looking after Melissa. Melissa's a buyer. Yep. I'm going to call her every week from TRG or from ABC Real Estate. Sure. She's going to hear from Ivan every week. She's going to hear emails. She's going to, like, I'm going to text. I'm going to call her. And she's other agents will drop off. Yep. She'll end up buying within three months for $2 million. Yep. Okay. I then pick her up from my buyer database and I put her in my owner database. Yep. Melissa's going to sell that on average when? Again, depends on your market. Say a year. Summer longer. Five years, I reckon. Cool. I reckon five years. Yeah. People would say seven to 10. I think with divorce and the other things, I think five years now. Yeah, yeah. I stay in touch with Melissa. She gets an email newsletter from me once a month. Yep. I call her or text her when there's a listing or a sale in her street. Yep. Pretty simple. Yeah. Six or seven times a yep. year. Yep. So she's remembering Ivan from ABC Real Estate. He helped me buy. He's touch pointing me several times a year. Other agents are not. Other agents dropped off. She moves yep. them along the way. because yep. but, but here's this thing that I've been building. Yep. Melissa buys for two million. If five years she sells it for three million, yep. am I guaranteed that listing? If I'm Melissa, I'm calling you for sure. I'm at the top of the three yeah, yeah, at correct. that point. Yeah. It's not guaranteed. Nah, correct. But if I'm, I'm Melissa, I'm, I'm calling you. Ivan and yep. ABC because he's earned that. Correct. I've then got the skill at that point to win that business. Yep. I do it for what? 1.5%? Oh, depends. Hopefully more. But let's call it 1.5. So just for the, I sell it. And let's say I'm on a 50% split. Yep. I make 22500 in, in the year 2027, five years from now. So that 22-year-old kid that's out the back there, if he did that with Melissa this week, he could potentially get a $22,500 fee in five years. Yep. Now, imagine he did that 50 times this year. Game over. That's right. Game over. That's right. But, but, we're, but we're all sitting here trying to knock on doors, trying to find a needle in a haystack yep. of a seller. Like, yep. it doesn't make sense. But you can do both and you should do both. 
Hey, right. listen, there's good examples of people winning listings through door knocking and all that. But and you would maybe there's an element of things plus just sold calls plus owner database yep. plus you know all that sort of stuff. Attending auctions, going to other agents, yep. open homes, like that's key for me. Of course, for knowledge, of course. right? Yeah. So you do all that, but mate, the the buys is where it gets missed. Like in your market, double bay. There's a huge market there just for to buy a service. There's some other markets, certainly where we operate, like where we used to operate, we're so competitive. You have to work with buyers yeah, right. because everyone else is. Yeah. So if you say, you know, how you go from 20 to 40 sales, you need mentors, you need good environment, you got to do buy work. What else can I be doing? You definitely have goals. Yeah. You, you have to have written goals. And how You're do you a salesman. How often do you reflect on those? Like I have them, like I just walk through your office. If I was one of your agents, I'd have them next to my computer. Yeah. They're there. Mine if I did six, yeah, yours are there, right? <laughs> yeah, mine are on my phone. Mine are at my office in Austin, Texas. I still, I'm not a salesman. I still got goals just because of my habits that I created. Yeah. So I'd have goals. You've yep. got to have mentors to keep you on track because inevitably you're going to fall over. Sure. You're going to have to put the work in. Yes. Yep. You're going to build your owner database. When I consider my 20-year career, do you know what percentage of my listings came from my owner database? Can I take a guess? Please. 70? Yeah. Yeah. Literally. Well done. 70%. Yeah. So, mate, seven out of 10, one opportunities I got was from my owner database. So, you have to grow that. You have to nurture it. You have to stay in touch with that. But you did the calls. I remember relentlessly you would sit there, call sessions, and you would nurture your database, nurture, nurture, nurture. You know what you water grows, and you would water that constantly. A lot of the guys don't do that. But I hear what you're saying, and it sounds straightforward. It's not easy to do that. Why don't most people do it? Why do you think that 80% of agents unable to really level up. Can't work it out because it's foreign to me. Okay. You could say lots of things, but the number one reason is they don't make enough calls. Fact. Fact. Gavin, they don't make enough calls. Now, I'll ask you another question. What do the 80% of agents who earn this much, Mm -hmm. what do they say about everyone else who's in that top 15% about you guys and a lot of the agents I work with? What's the number one thing they say? Well, they they probably don't like us. Maybe. (laughs) Well, I don't like him. Luck, market. Yeah, you know, he gets Ex- fed. Oh, he excuses. Gets, Always excuses. I'll tell you the number one thing they say is but. But no, he was lucky. Yeah, but he's on tele. Yeah, so but you true. know. So um, true. He got a leg over yeah. from his yeah. boss. Oh, yeah. he gets property management leads. Yep. Oh, but, but, but. He's got a big team. What is but? Excuse. It's an excuse. Yeah. So what you're saying is eliminate excuses, well, which is I my with the top performers, like there is no excuse. Yeah. Like they take you, you and the others, maybe there's a period where you get a bit complacent. Yep. And that's what I work on my top, top performers with the complacency and, you know, going to the next level. But other than that, there's no excuse. If anything, if things aren't going right, what do they do? They look at themselves yep. and they go, you know what? Take responsibility. I take responsibility. Bang on. Mm. What you're saying is the reason why most people don't play at that high level, bottom line, not enough calls and they make excuses. Correct. So- If you want to double your business, add that to it. Make more calls. Pick up the phone, dial the number. Everyone knows how to do it. There's so many people you can call. There's so many people you can call. And eliminate excuses, right? You just have to do it. And look, there's an apprenticeship in this industry, right? Which you get you paid and I for. Were friends, which actually, you get paid for. Which you do get paid for. Not that handsome, not, not that generously considering. But you don't the get paid when you go to uni. That's right. You don't get here, even though you don't make a good wage in that apprenticeship period, hmm. you are still learning and getting remunerated. Let's call it a five year apprenticeship. Fair. Yeah. So you, it's five years. For yep. some of you guys who are the best of the best or whatever, maybe four years. Yep. But you've got to put in that work and then it starts to come later mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. So And it's the hardest part, I think, of the of the journey. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah, yeah, because there's a lot of self-belief. Am I going to make it? 
he's so good. How does he sell that many? Will I be like? So there's all that sort of stuff that comes in. It. I mean, yeah. there's always rejection, but it's we're in the business of rejection. Yeah, Keith. So like, mate, like, don't get into real estate if you fear rejection. We all fear <laughs> it, but. Like the best agents have been rejected the most. Every day. Right, yeah, every day. Like you're in the business. Yeah. As a sales agent, you've chosen the business of rejection, so you may as well get comfortable with that. I remember when we did one of our sessions, this is probably 10 years ago, and it was at your house in Bulamaloo, and I was feeling pretty good about myself. I was just, so I was just starting to get a bit of momentum, right, really starting to go on a bit of a trajectory. And- you know, chest out. And I said to you, I've been on a freaking roll. Like I, I have listed every property I've gone to and I haven't lost one. I mean, I just obviously didn't say I'm hot shit, but at the time I thought I was. And I know you, what you're about to say. You look back at me and you go, you know what the problem with that is? You haven't you, gone for enough. Yeah, I remember You that. haven't. And it fucking, like so many things that you covered off with me in that time, just flipped switches in my mind. And everyone's different. I'm the sort of guy who just needs a little- <laughs> a little switch like that to completely realign me. And it's so, so true. I mean, that was one of the biggest lessons I've learned in my career to date, right? There you go. There you go. I do remember that. I think largely you are probably where you are because, I mean, obviously you have that ticker and, you know, you're skilled. In many ways, you've manifested where you are. Like, I, I really believe that. Like, I believe that I ended up in the US because I manifest. I'd love to live in the US one day. I um, remember you saying that all the time. Mate, yeah. when I, and when we started the business, I used to manifest, like, I want Bressie, we need to be like better than McGrath's, like, because McGrath's was that and then this. And like, so I'd go out and list like that. Now, we didn't get I don't feel we got there, but what we did over the last two decades was pretty cool. Yeah. So, yeah, I find that really interesting. And you link manifesting to goal setting, right? Yes and no, because it's like I can't teach motivation. Let's just go there, right? Yeah. What people don't know about you, mate, is I saw how hard you worked in your early to mid-20s when people knew nothing about you, Yeah. right? Because I'm 10 years older than you. So I must have been 32, 33. You were 22, 23. We were mates. I might have been 35. You were 25, right? yeah. Mate, you were working till nine o'clock at night. Yeah, yeah. You were do you were bringing signed contracts to the table when we would meet for dinner <laughs> at, at eight thirty nine o'clock at night. But people don't see that from you, mate. Yeah. So for me, that was you were putting in the yards there. You'd passed your apprenticeship. You were you really wanted it. You're putting in the extra yards. You'd work in the hours, and and it comes. So there's no shortcut. If you want to get from here to here, you've got to go through that, and then through that, and through that, and through that. And I reckon it's a ten year journey. You know, a proper 10-year journey, hopefully in the right place. We get the right apprenticeship and the right mentor, and then you've got to build your own database. You've got to give great service. You've got to put in the extra hours. You've got to make sacrifices. I can understand why you spend the money now, dude, because you've kind of earned that. There's been a lot of heartache and blood, sweat, and tears. 100%. And yeah, a lot but now you've got profile. And then so when a lot of the agents I work with, they've got profile. That's mm. a great place to be. Yeah. Mate, the phone rings. You're in control. You've got a team. You do the things that you like doing, but you enjoying what you're doing? I am actually loving it. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, I'm learning a lot, right? I bet. Which I, I like to learn. Where, do, where are you learning the most? With staff? And deals. Yeah. I never am satisfied with learning enough on the art of the deal. And I find that everybody is so different. Exactly like you said, with real estate agents, vendors are the same. People are the same. Everyone I deal with, I learn something new. Every deal I do or don't do, by the way, I learn something from that that I can apply to you know, improve the craft. And I, I focus a lot on that. On mentors, on learning, two figures in your life that I kind of feel were standouts for you that really helped. First one's John McGrath. Yeah. Second one, Shannon Whitney. Yeah. Who's an incredible dude. Yeah. Yeah, you should get Shannon on. He's a great guy. I would love to. Great guy and, and, you know, very, very special. What was the biggest lesson you learned from John in your time with him and the biggest lesson you learned from Shannon, if you can chunk it down to one each? 
Johnny was great to be around in the early years. Like he was a smooth operator. Mate, he was suave uh, yeah, as yeah, yeah. everything from his cars, the office, the way he spoke. Yeah. Like you just, you know, you, you you felt really positive in his presence. I think with John, like he probably just pushed you. Like he found a way. Like if you said, oh, I've done 50 sales, he'd say, well, why not 100? Love so there's that. kind of, you take that. So he was really good. So and never yeah. settling, never saying, which a lot of real estate agents do, right? Yeah. Oh, I made 200 grand this, this month. I'm going to chill for the next two or three months. Yeah. Well, you know what comes with it. I yeah. mean, ego is the enemy in our industry. Probably. And yep. then there's consistency. And, 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 and again, real estate, mate, you can get knocked down. Like, it doesn't matter how good you are. Tomorrow, Every you're day, here. Last day, night, here. 100%. Like, humbling. Very yeah, humbling. Yeah. yeah, I just had a meeting with an agent, you know, top agent in his area. He goes, I just lost listening as I walked in and it hurt him. He's been doing it for 20 years. Sure. So I think with Shannon, you know, look. So, so just to, sorry. sorry yeah, yeah. So with John, it was always don't get complacent and you can always do better no yeah. matter what you're doing, right? That progression, which is what you just spoke about before, right? Yeah, he would push you. He would he would find buttons to press and, you know, he would wave this, you do this and you can make this sort of thing. <laughs> not, not like that, but you're like, but, yeah, he's yeah. right, you know, like I can do that. Yeah. Remember, too, I was with John for four or five years, but, you know, so we then moved on. I think with Shannon, for those who know him, mate, he's very wise. He's very good. Very knowledgeable. Very. He's got this ability to, you know, be really present in conversation with you, make you feel like, oh, right, like he's like really listening. He's really engaging. I'm sure he is. He gives a shit. In the early days, Mate, not one person, and maybe now I don't know, but not one person in the early days said a bad word about Shannon. People go, oh, geez, he's a nice guy. Shit, he's a nice guy. Shit, he's a nice guy. The amount of times I heard that. That's, that's legendary in real estate. It really I is. Think, yeah. yeah. So he had, because he was from the country. He is from the country. So he had that country charm. He was patient with people. He asked amazing questions. So I think Shannon's questions are really, like they helped me list later on. Yep. Like I became really question-based when I list, yep. and then that's how I coach because that's effective, right? So yeah, I think they're probably the two takeaways from Johnny and Shannon for sure. And when you talk about helping top performers not get complacent or help managing burnouts, right? What's your method around that? And do you think part of why you decided to leave it behind outside of manifesting was maybe you felt a little bit burnout, 20 years, top performer. Do you have any regrets around how you managed your energy in relation to burnout? I think th there's no real regrets. I mean, look, if I had my time again, I probably would have stayed clear of the partying and what went with that. Right, but I was in my twenties and doing well, and everyone's stroking your ego. Yeah, yeah. I started to drink less in my thirties. So there's a lesson there, right? Anyone who is partying right now, even if they're in their twenties, if they're serious about long-standing career, maybe different to you, weren't manifesting an exit at some point, but want to maintain it, stop partying. Yeah, or limit it. Limit it. Right. You know, right. limit it. Right. So I think there was that, Gav. I think also like. I mean, it's been, there's been so many changes over the years, but I think you do have to manage burnout because you guys are on the phone. Vendors will call you on a crazy. Sunday night. Like buyers will call you on a, like when you're with your family and yep. whatever. Like it's relentless. Yep. It is relentless. Yep. So you have to draw some boundaries to limit that. Did I how, leave, do you, how do you do that? Well, I think you phone off. Like I'll give you some examples. Please. I mean, I, if I was a real estate agent today, I'd turn my phone off after six six thirty at night, put on silent, wow. whatever, not touch in the morning. Wow. I would definitely encourage would meditation. You though, if you were, I would at this stage. Like if I was in my twenties and I'm trying to sort of carve out a career, like I'm going to have to maybe do a little bit more than everybody else. Yep. Because if I want to get there. Yep then I guess I can't do what everyone else is doing. I'm going to have to do that plus that. So maybe I'm more available. Maybe I do work the old Sunday, but I'm in my 20s. I've yep. got energy. Yep. I want to do this. Yeah. I want the BMW. I want to go to Europe or whatever. So, but as you go through, it's different. You get to 30s. Like you're going to be my age in 10 years. I'm going to be 55 in 10 years. Well, I think you'll feel differently about I'm sure things in 10 years. Sure I and I look forward to staying in touch with you and seeing how that changes for you. But like, was I burning out? No, I guess I was just sort of getting a bit over 
walk into lounge rooms, pricing properties, having to negotiate on fees and representing home for four weeks. And, you know, it was great, but I did that for a long, long time. So how do agents manage maintaining passion for that if that's what they want? It's hard because mm. I think this game is perfect for 20s and 30s. Right. It's perfect. Yeah. Now, that's not saying that you can't be 40, 50 or 60 or 70 in this game. You've got some, you killer, you got some killer agents. You do. That. Yeah, no, yeah. And that's fine because it's the game of rejection. It really suits guys and girls in our 20s and 30s because we're, we've got that certain energy yep. to be able to withtake those sort of hits. Yep. Keep but there's so, there's so many things. Like meditation's great. You know, I've got clients who surf. There's something meditative about surfing. Yeah. They surf, wake up, have their breakfast, go to work, feel great have some wins, have some losses, go for a surf, reset, go again. But there's saunas, there's meditation, there's reading, there's having a life coach, there's going for a walk, there's nature. There's just so many things that you can do that, you know, like not drinking alcohol is a good one. Yeah. So look, that's another story. That's something I haven't, I haven't drunk alcohol for 13 months. It's been the best decision of my life. Yeah, wow. Uh, could I have done that at 30? No, but probably not because I was social and single or whatever it was. So it's a bit easy now at this stage of my life. Yep. But I feel very differently. If I knew what I knew now about alcohol, my relationship with it, not that I was ever dependent or anything, but even as a social drinker, that would have gone out the door many years ago. This is an energy game. Key. So let's just talk about that for Key. a second. You have amazing energy. You know, I think I had really good energy. You still got, you got amazing energy. Even though he's talking about 40s, you're beaming, man. Like, I so. feel pretty good, man. I feel pretty good. <laughs> yeah. You know, I sleep well, got great clarity. So if you're an agent, whoever's listening, in your 20s, 30s, 40s, like you can get drawn into so many things, late night, binging. Yeah. Yep. Uh, partying. You know, partying, drinking. Distractions, like, distractions. Like you've got to be on your game. Like I gave a talk this morning to a group and I said health like health and wellness was something I spoke about for 15 minutes. If you want to get there, if health and wellness is not a part of what your daily and what your weeks are made of, you're Good just going to make it harder for yourself. Yeah. And I'll even go one step further. If we have the success that you and I or others have had, what's the point in making all that money if you don't have your health and fitness? What's the point? There isn't. There's not. Yeah. You know, I would actually give up some of my thing to be even healthier, like sure. some of my personal work. Sure. Like, I value that. Like I want to live for a long time. I want to look great at 50. I want to look great at 60. I want to look great at 70. And I've been successful and I've made good money for our industry, not the world. Yeah. But for our industry, I feel like I've done really well. That's plenty. You know, so I want to enjoy that and I want to be present and whatever. So, yeah, I think it's an interesting one for agents. If you're really committed, how do you do that in your 40s and 50s? It's hard. Yeah. And I don't see a lot, maybe a very few of our your competitors, you know, but they're anomalies. Sure. Most, by the yep. time they're in their 40s, 50s, and 60s, they're yep. getting the shit in the industry. 100%. They're getting negative. Yep. And they're also saying, What am I doing this for? Oh, why did that person list with him? I sold it him five years ago. It's because they start dropping off. Should they not be doing real estate? No, because they've done it for a lifetime. But you can see that it starts to wear thin as they get older in their lives. Right. So what you're saying is find what you or what works for you to maintain your energy, health, as an absolute top priority. Yeah. If you want to sustain a career in this industry. I had one of the top agents in Sydney come to my house. I've had the amazing agents come to my house the last two weeks I've for meetings. Yeah, yeah. One of them just got back from a holiday. He's been away for a month. Not you, by the way. <laughs> it's not Gavin. Came over to my house. He said, I haven't trained for a month. I haven't yeah. exercised. I've been drinking. I've been having yeah. sushi every night. I've been having desserts. I've been having sushi every day. Yeah, yeah. Like, like lots of it. Sorry, lots of it. Yeah. And uh, he said, I feel really flat. 
Now, yeah. I, he's one of the best agents in Sydney. Sure. I can't teach him to be a better agent. We spoke the whole time about, well, mate, how are you going to get your head right? Yeah. How mental. are you physically going to get right? Yeah. And for him, he just said, mate, no alcohol for the next two two months. He said, I'm not partying this year. He said, I'm going to really dial in. I'm going to train every morning. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. It was all about health and wellness. Yeah. So he understands that for him to get there this year, and mm-hmm. again, you know, I just want to remind everybody, he is one of the best agents in Sydney. He wasn't even talking about sales and yep. team. He was thinking about, I need to get physically right here. Yeah, yeah. So if that's not a clue, and success leaves clues, yeah. I know you had Maddie Steinway on, and I love Maddie's dedication to his health and fitness. Same, yeah. I'm really attracted to that. Not only is he successful, but that for me means a lot. You said to me, Ivan, you look great. You're in great shape. I'm in the best shape I've ever been in my whole life. Yeah. What have I done there? I've applied the same principles in real estate that I have to my health and fitness. What do I have to get rid of? What are the things that don't serve me? Yeah. How's my diet? How's my sleep? How's my recovery? Who can I learn from? Yeah. Who's who's gained muscle? Should I gain muscle or should we be doing F45? Yeah. You know, to how much do I need to walk here? You know, alcohol, gone. What foods serve me? What foods don't serve me? So I've applied the same principles in that I learned through real estate on how do you get a bit better? How do you get a bit better? Goals. I want to look like that. I want to feel like that. The same principles you can apply and you can transfer it. That's why real estate sales is one of the best business, one of the best jobs in the world because the skills that you've learned and that you're learning. Transferable. Mate, you're learning yeah. with staff. You're learning with clients. Yeah. You've learned how to go from here to here to here and you're probably going to go there and there if I know you. Yeah. So there's such transferable skills. You might be a real estate agent forever, but I can tell you, I left sales and those skills I can still use in a lounge room. It's applicable. I can yeah. read a room. I can influence people and yeah. I don't even sell real estate. I learned all that over the last 25 years. Yeah, which yeah. you can apply. And on that, yeah, in your opinion, what percentage is of real estate mental? What percentage is practice in your view? Well, you know how I'm going to answer that. I mean- you will win or lose this year, yeah. Or they, the listeners, yeah. It's all from the neck up. So what, ninety percent? Yeah, I think it's mental. It's yeah. a mental thing. I have thing. to agree with you, man. Like I it do, is. Do agree the, with it's you. very yeah. physical work. Sure. Like you guys are, you know, banging sure, out sure, twenty six hundred sure. to three thousand hours a year. Yep. Standing, talking, pitching, having conversations. There's definitely a physical aspect. Yeah. But you have to believe. You said to me, Ivan, how does an agent get from twenty to forty? If you don't believe it, don't start. Good luck. And that's why mentors are important because sometimes you need someone to say, Gav, I reckon you can have four offices in five years. Yeah. Gav, how many managements have you guys got? 300? Why don't you have 1,500? Yeah. Now you walk away and start thinking about that going, how do Jerome, I get there? <laughs> let's have a meeting. 300 ain't enough. What are we doing to get 600? What do we need? What's it going to cost us? How does that look? And mate, we're not stopping at six. We're going to 1,500, mate. Yeah. Five years. There's a plan. There's a belief. I've just put that in your head. Now you need to go and execute on that. Now, if we don't have that conversation, mate, you just walk out and Stay go, I'm Gavin Rubenstein, yeah. I'm sweet, I'm yeah. good, and you come back in tomorrow and there's 302 managements. Yeah. And so, so see the difference? Yeah. That's mental. Yeah. I agree with you 100%. Yeah. Yeah. You're married now, beautiful wife, Sheree, beautiful baby boy. You just had Kobe. Kobe Bryant, man. I love that. You yeah. um, Your whole career, essentially, as a real estate agent, I mean, you had relationships, but you it seemed, I don't know if you waited, do you think now being a father, being a husband- you could have done both or were you just so tunnel vision, such a high performer and it would have been too hard to juggle? There's no doubt that in my mind I was married to the business. Yeah, you were. So, so for me, like people go, oh, you're 37, you're not married. I'm like, I don't have any time. Like I'm literally yeah. married to the business. Yeah. So I think it was kind of, I had to get to that point 
to now start going, you know what, I feel like I've got all these things in my life and I feel this, now there's something missing. Yep. And I think subconsciously then I was ready. Yep. Could I have done it? Yep. You know, one of the agents I respect the most, mm-hmm. who's the most inspirational, I won't say their name no. just for the for, you know purpose of this, but yep. you know, he's a 36-year-old guy. Yep. He's, he's got four kids. Yep. He's a high performer. Legend. I know um, exactly. You love him. Like, he's, he's, I respect that him That inspires too, yeah. me, G. Yeah, yeah like, same. Because I know he does and what we do. And he's such a good do. dude. He's such a good He dude. does what I did. He does yeah. what you do in many respects. You're talking about Liddell. I am. Yeah, legend. Like that inspires <laughs> me. Like someone who does 150, 200 sales, but their life's out of whack or they are still got to do things or yeah. they consume or they're superficial or whatever and it is. And a good dude. I'm saying, like he's Great, humble. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's no superficiality there. You know, so he's up, you know, he's straight up. So, like, that for me means, like, I look at that and I go, man, like, I'm not that guy. Like, I wish I could be someone like him, you know, when I was his age, especially. You know what I mean? I'm exactly like you. I feel feel the exact same way. I'm glad you do because I think, you know, that's there's some really good character traits that he has which have to be admirable, you know? I agree. What have you learned from, you know, being a husband, being a father? I didn't know if I was going to be a dad, firstly. And I think I had this conversation with you last year when I was in LA. But, you know, I think we sort of were together three or four years and, you know, we had a great relationship. So it felt like the right step. Yeah, um, I didn't think I'd be a good dad. I didn't. I never liked babies crying and stuff like that. <laughs> like my sisters don't have kids, but yeah, when you do, it's amazing. Like it's first few months, I was like, oh, this is pretty hard work. But by month four or five, like you go, oh, I get it. You know, I get why every dad or every mother's like just you know besotted. Uh, he's a cute boy. You can't be selfish, is what I've learned. Which you know, I can be selfish in my time or what I want to do. I yeah. want to read. I want to do this. And you know, you've got to participate. Yeah, sleep is super important. So we spoke about alcohol. Mm-hmm. When you take alcohol, you don't sleep well. If yeah. you don't take alcohol and you've got kids, my God, good luck. Yeah. So I think it's it's teach me things. Look, I've only been a dad for eight months. I'm still learning and I've got plenty to learn. The only other thing I've learned, mate, is whatever people tell you about things or whatever you read, just throw it out the thing. You've got to- day by day. Forget about yeah, it. Because whatever you've heard or whatever you, what your experience is <laughs> There's like, no manual. No one <laughs> taught me this, you know? So yeah, he's a good kid and, you know, we're in a pretty good space. I love that. All right. I've got one more question before I let you go. The market's about to go into a state of change. Like I was just having a conversation this morning with my mortgage broker and one of my investment properties said to me, "Um, your fixed rate is going to change March next year. I said, no problem. What does that take repayments to? Double. Right. Yeah. So one of them, it takes it for like, what, 5000 a month to 10000 a month. Yeah. It's a big chunk of money. And I'm from that already foreseeing what is potentially to come here. And to me, it's big opportunity. Like I really think certain people can make a name in a tough market. I think certain people can grow market share in a tough market. What are you telling your clients, your top performing agents you're working with to do over the course of the next 12 months to ensure that they get the lion's share of that? I'm going to break that up in two, okay? Because you've got the top 20% and then you've got the rest. If you're a top 20% agent, like you've got profile in your market and you're successful and people know you and you know the market, you over the next 12, 24 months, you're going to be like a lighthouse to the local market. If you're a potential- They're going to seek you out. They're, they're going to go, yep, yep, yep. There's, that's the agent that I'm probably going to call. That's the agent because they've got the listings, they've been ringing me, they're, they're executing, they're yep. getting sales. Yep. Even last year, we saw it. Agents with profile seemingly seem to maintain and yep. do better yep. and go, look, it's Definitely. you know a bit challenging, but we're good. Yeah. A lot of agents last year who sell under 30 properties really struggled. Big time. Right? Yeah, yeah. Because 
the year before in 2021, which we won't see again, hmm. every agent was a lighthouse. Everyone. Yep. Every agent was yep. a lighthouse. Yep, stand at the door, make a sale. Someone new to the industry would say, yep, how much do you want, Mr. Vendor? Three million. Two days later, he's 3.5. Yeah. So so it, it's changed. <laughs> it was fun. I mean, I, I, I prefer this market, but it was fun. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. I don't, by the way, I mean, an opinion, I don't think we'll see a market like that again for another 20 years. Agree. And Mark McLeod said the same thing Did yesterday. He? he was doing a training session. Yeah. Good. He so, said ever, potentially. but Yeah, it was a perfect storm, you yeah. know? So yeah. then the, there's the bottom sort of 80% of agents, a lot of agents who sell under 30 properties, and that's okay mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. So I guess how do they withstand that? They have to be aware of that. They have to probably pricing is a huge thing. They have to work buyers. Like they have to change their approach if they're just waiting for listings. They've got to have a bit more conviction. Like most of the top agents, they've just got this thing where they tell people as it is, but they have the courage yeah. and they get a price reduction and sore enough it then sells. Most of the bottom agents or a lot of the agents under 30, there's some fear there. Yeah. Yeah. There's some, oh, I don't know if I can say that. I don't feel comfortable saying that. I'm saying do it. Say it. The client needs to hear it. You Be need honest. To do it. Yeah. Yeah. If we withdraw a listing if you're an agent and you withdraw a listing, you go backwards. Yeah. Okay. Now we've all withdrawn listings. Okay. Sure. But the importance of executing is so important because if you get a sale in a more challenging market, you become more and more of a lighthouse. 100%. More noticeable. That's why the top agents, their listing world, they're typically executing and then that just feeds their next month and their next quarter and their next six months. Yep. They roll. If I'm sold 15 last year or 20 or 26 last year or nine properties last year, how can I do better? What can I realistically do? I'm going to feel plumb myself more, but I'm going to have to have more conviction. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to get my pricing right. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to have a different strategy around my price guides. Mm-hmm. I need to execute and then I'm going to have to leverage from that. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where I'll work. If it's under 30 agents, let's focus on that. Let's focus on mindset. What is your dialogue? Yep. What are you saying? Yep. Are you doing set to sell meetings? Yep. You're trying things off market to get the right price, to get the right price guide before going on Got market. Yep. The top ones, I don't have those conversations with them. Yeah, a lot of them are mental, better agents right. than me. We're just talking yeah. about their team. Yeah. We're, we're talking about like what they're doing, their spending habits or where they're going next. Or It's a different conversation with these guys as yeah. it is these guys and girls. Yeah, but I'm hearing you. What you're saying is if you want to take advantage of the next 12, 18 months, be honest, transparent with people. For sure. Lose fear. Have no fear around delivering what is a transparent message that ultimately will help your vendor. Correct. And yeah. get you one step closer to a deal. To a deal. Yeah. I would say- there aren't going to be, in my view, as many withdrawals in this market because you would have thought most people putting their house up for sale now, want to sell. Are they kind yeah. of aware, right? Yeah. So you would think there'd be less of that. But back to what I think you said before being the key here, phone calls. Yeah. Execution. Yeah. Losing excuses. Yeah. I had one guy go and meet one of the best agents in the country. What do you mean one guy? One guy from here? Someone I coach. Oh, yeah? Yeah, no names today. Yep, yep. He went and met one of the best agents in the country for breakfast. And I said, mate, what'd you get out of it? He said, I simply just don't make enough phone calls. Key. He goes, I was with him for an hour. He goes, bro, walked away. He goes, there's one thing. I said, what is it? I just don't make enough phone calls. Yeah. You've got one last thing. When I was at BW, there were three, you know, there were How three- many a day, I? How many a day? Oh, mate. Like, Give me the bare minimum. Bare minimum if you want to- For women, at least 50, 60, yep. 40, 60. For men, I put a higher number on my male agents than I do female do agents. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I treat them slightly different. Okay. Women have the advantage of more empathy and more trust, slightly longer phone calls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Whereas guys are more churn and burn, higher sure. higher energy. So like, like it's it's different for both. But yeah, for, for the males, like 80, 100, 70, you know, it might be 60 good quality calls. The point is this. Either side of 50 good Let's quality Let's not even calls. worry about the number. Like, I don't even worry about the number because most people would lie to me about how many numbers they've done. 
I want to see. It's true. What time did you get in the office? Yeah. And you can see who's on the phone all day or not. It's yep. simple. Yeah. So uh, one last story. There was a few of us in our company. And like Brassic Whitney, yeah, yep. at my company, and like there was like maybe fifteen or twenty on, on, in the in the thing in the pen in the sales floor. Right. Let's yep. just call this in the office. Yeah, three of us made the majority of the money. Okay, and that's not that we made the most of the money. Three of us out of the twenty. Mm-hmm. The rest, there were still some really good income earners and tri- contributors and amazing people. Yeah, but the three top income earners were always on the phone. Now, if that's not a clue- Drop, drop mic and the podcast. There you go. I like, hope the, and I, I really hope that people listen because we say the same thing and you hear somewhat the same message discussed differently with regard to different people and different styles, but I, I think you've nailed it on the absolute head. 20, pe- 20 people, three who made the most money and who were the best made the most phone calls. Yeah. Not easy, but pretty simple when you think about it. I appreciate it. It's always good to catch up with you. Likewise, mate. Congratulations on your success. Thank you. And we'll stay humble. Always. Good. I hope so. Good man. Thank you for listening to Thinking Outside the Box with Gavin Rubenstein. Subscribe now for future episodes.